give it a bit of a go. And I thought, I actually, I do think these will be quite interesting if I can get a good number of people on board. Uh, it's, it's always really fascinating cool to know the stories behind the images and uh, yeah. the creative. And uh, I don't know about you, it's one of the things that I find most fascinating actually, because the artwork, uh, people produce lots of good artwork in lots of different places, but their motivations and interests, especially on you know, their own personal projects really come to the fore. Um, Oh, yeah, because just gets a really good insight into what people do and why they do it, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, you've had quite a lot of interest and attention with the airfix models. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some of my friends have seen them. Maybe it's a maybe it's a generational thing. I, I'm not yeah, sure. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up going on YouTube to watch. Um, you know, people painting them and how they do it and their whole, they've got like an array of paints behind them. Uh, you know, all the options with the different color, the palettes, the techniques. It's really, I mean, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? I, I used to do it a lot when I was a kid. Um, I was really into it and uh, for a little while. And I, a couple of years ago, I decided to try making a, a model Spitfire. Um, and I made a little one. I, I wanted to do it for a photography project. Um, I wanted to photograph it afterwards. And I, I made it, um, I made a little one as a sort of practice, but I haven't made the big one yet. Uh, I bought like a really big, massive one. <laughs> That's like a Christmas project. I've got like an airbrush. I've got everything. Cause when I was a kid, I didn't have any money. So I could just like, all I could afford was like, you know, rubbish stuff. And now I've got like an amazing air fixing kit but uh i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> I, I, I seem to remember buying an air a sort of airbrush to spray paint on just at the time that the max came in and it made it completely obsolete and very long-winded but uh, that, okay. that sort of um, brushed art yeah, uh, yeah for a while i was really interested in you know on cars and all sorts chrome effects yeah yeah uh, yeah that was a sort of fleeting a fleeting sort of passion um let's um let's talk a little bit about your um about time uh, if that's okay there's a real fascination of uh time in your in your work um and it's you said that you know on email that there's something that really you could talk a lot about you had something sort of we could open up a can of worms here and, and get relieved yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I find all that stuff really interesting i'm I'm really interested in this idea that um, time isn't linear. So that the idea that the past is really in the present and that it spills into the present, um, if that doesn't sound too wacky. <laughs> and is that in terms of objects and, and remained things that carry some sort of the past with them? Is that is that partly what you mean? Yeah, I think it crosses over into all sorts of things, but the the airfix ruins project came out of something else i've been working on for a really long time which is about all this stuff and uh, this keeps happening i sort of keep i'm working on this great big project and then all these little things kind of pop out of it and become their own little sort of spin-offs and um and airfix ruins is one of those but the the thing it comes from is is a project i'm working on about the 
uh, about the two world wars and mythology, the idea that they're, they're myths uh, that are kind of part of our culture, but that more specifically that they're sort of um, haunting us, I suppose, like the idea that they're, there are these kinds of ghosts of what happened in our culture and in our sort of, even in our environment. Um, and they're sort of the idea that the, the, those kind of memories and that past is sort of spilling into the present um, all the time. That's what I'm really interested in. <laughs> is that a difficult thing to capture as a photographer? Yeah, like I, it's a really interesting thing to do because I think I, once I remember telling somebody I was working on a project about the Blitz in London. Uh, it's a, a book I published with my sister, actually, who's a photographer too. And um, I was sort of talking about how we're trying to photograph the Second World War. And they were saying, you know, how, how can you do that? Because, you know, it's not happening anymore. How can you, how can you possibly do that? And that's the whole challenge. It's like, it, it's a really interesting um, idea in itself. Just how can you photograph the past um, when it's not here anymore? But it, I, you know, I, that's what really interests me. This idea that there are, that it is still here. And in fact, that's the only place it is. Um, it's only in the present because our only idea of the, the only way the past exists is as a kind of figment in the present, if that makes sense. So if it had gone entirely, it would no longer be discussed and therefore it's something yeah. Yeah, that has to be present well, in your mind in order for it to exist in some way. Exactly, which is why the past is always changing. So we have this idea that the future is kind of unwritten and it, because it hasn't happened yet, we can control it. But you could look at the past in exactly the same way. I mean, exactly the same way that it just, the, the past is always changing as we sort of view it differently in the present and think about it differently. And so to take the example of the world wars, um, you know, we're, we're always rewrite, rewriting that history and re-understanding it and re-mythologizing it to make sense of it. And it's all, because it's always being revised, it's not a stuck set objective fact. Like that's not, yes. a, you can't really think of it in that way. It's a, it's a kind of pliable, malleable thing um yeah so <laughs> it gets a bit tricky doesn't it no no <laughs> i think it's interesting i i uh i don't know i enjoy lots of history programs and i think it's interesting when uh you can see today's contemporary issues reflected back when people do a history program or look back to a past era how it's framed with a current mindset and i think that was quite interesting the civilizations um program on bbc i think it was right bbc4 um had that a range of different curators looking back at different periods in history of art and um but much more with a modern mindset as opposed to something from the 1960s it's a very different take and i'm sure that will be the same again in another 20 30 years mm. yeah yeah so I'm and what is it about um the period the two world wars in particular that that sort of fascinates you what why that time period why not some another time well yeah i'm i don't know and that's sort of part of it part of my interest i suppose so i'm really interested in history i enjoy history a lot and i read lots of books about history and all kinds of periods of history 
but those those two periods of history have always been really fascinating to me since I was a child. And uh, a few years ago, I did an, an MA and I had to sort of work out what I was going to do on the MA and what, what project I wanted to make. And I, I got really sort of, I kept thinking of all these ideas and, but they were all just sort of really logical ideas, like things that just came out of my brain thinking, you know, uh, what, you know, what could I do? I could do this. I could do that. But I, I just realized that there was something I really felt and it wasn't an idea. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't formed into any, anything at all, but it was just like, I just knew that that was a thing that I really wanted to like understand. I wanted to understand how I, how I felt about those two things because I was really affected by them. And I, I suppose like doing that, doing the MA and like projects subsequently, it's all been about trying to understand that. And um, I think there's something, there are, there are several factors. I think part of it is probably really formative experiences when I was a kid. So things like my, my grandparents were, were involved in the second world war. And so there's, there's that sort of sense of it um, being part of our history, part of our family history and having almost touched it that really fascinates me. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go around to my granddad's house um, and sit and watch war movies with him, like 1950s war movies with uh, John Mills in them. When I, you know, when I was like seven years old off school because I was sick or something, and we used to just sit there and watch all these movies. But the whole time I just knew that he'd been in these movies, that he'd been to these places and, um, and that really fascinated me. And my granddad, my other granddad was a, an ARP warden in London um, during the Blitz. And that's always really fascinated me. So anytime, you know, I used to live in London uh, for quite a while and that a whole project came out of that kind of feeling that it, I couldn't walk around London without feeling that, without sort of thinking of my granddad and him doing the same thing. and. It's it's just there, like haunting me all the time. <laughs> well, I guess um, this um, this that particular generation who fought in the Second War, are you know there are a few of them around, and it's a generation that is beginning to to fade. That that sort of first hand experience uh, is slowly being lost. So I yeah. guess it's sort of that touching touching history, and uh, I, I'm interested too in that transition from. Um, sort of real first-hand experience to a history and then it also intrigues me when you talk about into sort of a legend or a myth um, sort of what happens what you think happens when things go beyond a certain time frame they move out of remembered history um, I'd be interested to know sort of how you how you deal with that or what you would look for when you sort of do work this sort of myth mythological excuse me um <laughs> mythological, i'm gonna do that <laughs> you know um, there's a how does that come into the sort of work yeah yeah well yeah i'm really i really love this idea that the the world wars are these kind of modern myths and I don't, when I say, when I use the word myth, I don't mean it in a kind of like they're just made up then like something that isn't real. 
there's another sense of that word, which is what, what really interests me. Um, there's a, a guy called uh, Joseph Campbell, who um, writes a lot about mythology. And um, it, his idea is that um, a, a myth is something where a group of people are sort of having a dream together. So it's like a collective dream. Um, so much in the same way that like a, an individual might go and sort of lie on a psychologist's couch and or psychiatrist's couch and and try and um, kind of understand their dreams. That's that's the same thing that's going on when a when a society or a culture uh, mythologizes an event. It, it's about that culture trying to come to terms with what happened and trying to understand it by storytelling and and sort of imagining and dreaming. And so there's this idea that, you know, an event happens and these are huge, obviously epic events that affected the entire world in a, in a kind of unimaginable way. And they're, they're then kind of taken forward into the future where we sort of try to understand them. We turn them into a story so that we can make sense of them. And that story is always evolving and always changing as we kind of develop our understanding of it um yeah do you, do so, you think that the current pandemic has given you any extra insight into yeah what it was like you know as, as a sort of world defining event yeah absolutely I, I mean there's kind of two things there one is that the you can see the mythology of the wars in current events i think you could really see it in brexit i think you could even blame brexit on it to some extent um, and that idea of us, of Britain standing alone and uh, kind of, um, you know, that, that we don't need help from anybody else and that kind of thing. That's the sort of Dunkirk blitz spirit sort of idea rehashed for, our, for a modern situation. That was completely co-opted and used by the pro-Brexit side of that argument. And then the pandemic, I think there's been this kind of idea of us coming together and the idea, in, at least in Britain, we've definitely had this kind of idea of uh, harking back to that same blitz spirit idea, this kind of camaraderie through adversity. And I think it's really, that mythology has completely informed the way we've dealt with it. I mean, I remember seeing at the beginning of the first lockdown, uh, Boris Johnson doing a, doing speeches, you know, his five o'clock address to the nation. And it, this, even the tone of it, the sound of it sounded like Neville Chamberlain announcing the Second World War starting or something. It was there was just this whole kind of meta narrative to it going on that was comes from that mythology. So that side of things really fascinates me how it's repeating itself all the time, and the past is spilling into the the present in that way constantly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And um, with with a lot of your the work referencing the past, um, what do you think is about the future or how 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 does that come in as well to your to your work? How do we sort of take it from where it is currently? And uh, perhaps what's your responsibility as a photographer to show that work to to other generations? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I feel that I'm moved somehow to tell that to try to tell that story, but I'm doing it from my from my point of view now. So it also involves um, me looking it involves part of the story being the mythologizing of it if that makes sense so 
it, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I guess it's, it, it's like you said earlier on that there are, as that those generations uh, die and the, the kind of, we're left without that firsthand experience um, in our world anymore. We're all having to sort of work out how that story continues and how it evolves. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because, you know, we don't really talk about the Battle of Waterloo anymore or, or something like that, really. You know, they're, they're sort of there in our awareness, but I don't think we're particularly affected by them in the same way. So I think there's, it will be interesting to see how long does that mythology survive and will it be replaced by other things? Um, but I, yeah, I'm not sure about a, a responsibility or what I'm, what I should do because I'm just winging it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just following my nose. I don't really have, have a, a plan for that. Um, and uh, in terms of the, you know, if we get to the sort of practicalities of, of how you, photograph various different things. Um, I'd say there was a, a real sort of tenderness and quite sort of gentle uh, consideration about color and light. Um, and I know I sort of asked that question previously on sort of email and it's, it's in the sort of in the, uh, in the zine. Um, but I just wondered how that came into, um, how that affects your approach to what you photograph or whether you think that sort of approach is is representative of uh, a photographer's personality mm. or, or some other aspect it just intrigues me about the very different ways that a variety of different photographers can approach the same yeah. subject i guess for me that part of my process is to try and get out of the way i think that's something i've learned as i've kind of gone on as a photographer that I think you can you can really put yourself in the picture too much um you know I remember on my MA I, I studied um with uh my my teacher was Jem Southern who's a brilliant photographer is one of my sort of photography heroes and I remember taking a picture that I thought was really amazing and I was really excited about it and taking me a really really long time to compose it and it was all um you know all these objects in a landscape sort of composed carefully um so that none of them were touching each other and all this kind of thing i was really excited about it because i sort of felt like i'd had this kind of big breakthrough and i'd done something amazing and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i when i showed it to him he was just like oh, i don't like that one and and i asked him why and he said because all i can see is you making a picture <laughs> like that's a picture about you making a picture and how good you are at making a picture or something. But it's not about what's in the picture. It's not about the, it, you're not letting the ideas that are contained in that picture through because you're getting in the way of them. And that's always stuck with me that that's a, that's a kind of a great way of approaching taking a photograph that, that you sort of, yeah, the more you sort of get in the way, the more you're sort of muddying the waters. So, um, I think that's what leads me to a kind of subtlety and um, yeah does that answer the question yeah that's interesting I, I'm it is also uh, I'm intrigued to know who who you've been influenced by um, and 
is there a community of photographers? Are, are you able to share uh, images and experiences like you just described on a regular basis, or is it more sort of a, a, an isolated craft? Yeah, I mean, I, my influences in photography are huge. I mean, there's so many, I don't, don't even know where to start, but I guess in relative to these sorts of projects, I think the FX Ruins one is quite connected to William Christianbury, who's a brilliant photographer who um, worked in the, the American South and um, he photographed buildings a lot. So he's worth having a look at. He's really interested in time as well and um, time unfolding. And um, there's also another photographer that comes to mind called Anne Mai Lee, who's a, an American Vietnamese photographer. And she's really interested in, in war and history and memory and all these kinds of things, like the idea of ghosts of the past sort of reappearing and um, haunting us. And uh, so those two, those two photographers in particular, I'd say for these sorts of projects have been really influential, um, but lots of others too. And yeah, in terms of um, kind of groups, it's really hard because when I, I used to have, a bunch of people that I would talk to about photography a lot more. And, and then I did my MA, you know, I was a mature student doing my MA and, um, and that was great. Cause it was like, you sort of go there and just get to splurge all, all your thoughts out and, and communicate about it. But since I, since I finished that MA, I've, I've felt a lot more sort of confident about what I'm doing and why, and I'm, I don't really feel the need to talk to other people about what I'm doing so much anymore. In fact, I think I've kind of learned that talking about things too much and thinking about them too much is another form of getting in the way and that I'm more interested in just making things at the moment and just kind of seeing where they go. But yeah, is I think photography can be quite solitary I think it's sort of it's a bit like being a writer or something like that in in that respect that you're it's something really that you probably have to go and do on your own and um it's sort of all in your head um so it's probably quite healthy to have some people to talk to about it but um but yeah at the moment i'm i'm in complete isolation but i guess we all are at the moment <laughs> Um, well, you mentioned uh, one of the writers who talked about time. Um, uh, Joseph, is it Joseph? I've got that name. Joseph Campbell, yeah. Joseph Campbell, yeah. Um, are there other writers that have um, given you an inspiration or helped shape your, your thoughts and processes? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean... There's, I've forgotten the, the name of the person I want to say now. Um, but it'll there's come a, back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, come back to I think it's uh, Tim O'Brien. I think that's his name. He's a, he's a writer who, he wrote a, a book called The Things We Carried. Um, and he was a Vietnam War veteran, American. And um, he, he wrote um, this really lovely book about that. And it, it's all mythology. So even though he was there and experienced these things, he he wrote stories about it that weren't 
real, but presented them as real. So he, they weren't about um, objective, factual things that happened to him, but they were all true. And he was really interested in this idea that there was a, there's a, there's such a thing as story truth, rather than um, you know factual objective truth. And he was getting at that, and and so you know that's sort of all about mythology and like the idea that you can the truth in a story isn't that you that actually objective factual truth it doesn't really exist like wh where's the, what's the objective thing looking at that there isn't one so everything's subjective so he's just sort of taking that further and and being comfortable with the idea that things are are that sort of loose and uh mythical um so he's i've, I've always thought that was a great little book um yeah <laughs> i'm sure there are others too but i'm terrible at remembering names when i get put uh, on the spot <laughs> yeah. I, i'm with you on that i'm terrible at remembering names too um so just just thinking about like a completely alternative career you you said you said that you would be interested in either being an archaeologist or a lighthouse keeper <laughs> uh, um a lighthouse keeper does seem like a very solitary uh job what, what is it that appeals about <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i was probably being too flippant but yeah i could imagine myself being quite a good lighthouse keeper i i think again it's like something that probably something that appeals to me weirdly about being a photographer is being on my own <laughs> you know uh I'm, I'm quite happy being on my own and quite comfortable spending time with myself and doing things and um yeah I sometimes it does feel a bit like that being a photographer I think being <laughs> a bit like being a lighthouse keeper I think I've got a natural kind of uh, personality type to be a lighthouse keeper <laughs> that is such a thing and then, um, yeah. And well, then I, just about, uh, the archaeologists, that seems to me to make sort of perfect sense. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. But I did, I've just always found a fascination in the idea of going to places where things happened. The idea that you can stand in a, literally in a place where you know something amazing once happened and it's not there anymore, but, it, but maybe it kind of is. And why is that? And that's... That's a whole thing that interests me about photography. Um, you know, photography is sort of like archaeology in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because mm. it's it's all about recording the, the past and yeah, there's a, a definite connection. Um, and um, when you sort of finished up here, what are you going to be doing next? What's your what's your day look like? What does a normal day look like from? From, from here well under under lockdown at the moment um think well we're, we're just out of it aren't we tier three or whatever we are now i'm I work is fairly quiet commercial work is fairly quiet so i'm doing a lot of work on my project actually so that's that's uh what i'm going to do today i'm just i'm doing some retouching and working on some pictures that i've been making recently um i'm doing a a whole series of pictures in the landscape around where I live in Kent, um, which is about this. So the picture I'm working on at the moment is, uh, uh, it's a picture of some drainage ditches in farms, fields, um, that look like trenches to me at least anyway. <laughs> so there's an example of this kind of, the idea that 
the history is repeating itself and reappearing in the present because of your subjective your mind is sort of subjectively loaded up with all these things and it uh all these things you're thinking about and and remembering and they sort of it makes you notice things in a different way and it makes it makes that past reappear in the present um so I'm, yeah i'm sort of uh working on pictures like that at the moment sounds good and once we're out of the sort of lockdown if you had the keys to get in anywhere where would you where would you head for to do uh, do your next project ah yeah i mean i'm really enjoying being outside doing landscapes at the moment so i don't know if i need any keys um i've got some things planned that i want to do um a lot of it's in the southeast because i'm i'm really interested in the idea of this of the southeast of england being this kind of a big part of the mythology of of the wars um you know it's the kind of vulnerable part of the uh the country in both of the wars and there's also a connection with the first world war that interests me where it's it looks like the places that we were fighting in in the in the north of france uh, you know there's a lot of um references in history about the, the two looking the same and so yeah i'm i don't really need any keys right now i guess um but i am looking for i there are some things i want to get access to i think i mentioned before that we talked about it before that i'm trying to get access to uh photograph winston churchill's art studio <laughs> yes, yes um, did, yeah yeah that's so that's okay. i'd like the keys to that please <laughs> okay, that's what I can do. <laughs> all right well thank you very much tom for your time cool no no problem that was really good thank you okay all right thanks <laughs>